Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to season three of Through the Eyes of a Therapist podcast. If you were paying attention to life in the early 2000s, you may remember the iconic pop princess Britney Spears and her eventful life in the public eye. Today, we're going to dissect her resilience with my returning guest on the show, Luis Cornejo, founder of Psychosocial Media, marriage and family therapist, and all-out Britney fan. Check out all the great content about therapy and mental health and the LGBTQI community at psychosocial.media. I'll post the links to the site on throughtheeyesofatherapist.org. Vote for the next episode by following me on Instagram and to see cute newborn photos and mommy life posts at Through the Eyes of a Therapist pod. So today we have our Brittany expert, Luis Cornejo, <laughs> and he is a licensed marriage and family therapist. You may recognize him from a previous episode where he was an LMFT associate getting his license and he talked to us about the process. But today we're going to have a conversation about Britney Spears. So I'm super excited to have you back on the podcast. Thanks so much for coming back. Yeah, thank you for inviting me again. I think we should probably start talking about Britney Spears in a way that maybe therapists would typically talk about a client. Obviously, she's not our client. So we're not going to diagnose her or anything like that. We're just going to kind of review the life and times of Britney Spears. And it's going to be two therapists talking about her. From my understanding, she was born in 1981 and then started her performing life when she was about three years old. Yeah, Yeah, go ahead. Britney started really young, you know, just like Michael Jackson and a lot of other uh, big names. She... uh, got her start at a really young age i think she got like bit by the performance bug early on and uh you know there were a lot of very crucial moments uh in her life specifically uh her young life when she actually started to audition for uh different things um you know at school and she was performing and uh her first big actual like audition was in 1990 for the mickey mouse club when she was eight years old, but uh, she was actually rejected, even though they loved her, they thought she was amazing, uh, because she was too young, and they wanted children who were older, so she ended up going back to, um, back to Louisiana, and starting, you know, keep, kept doing her thing, um, and it wasn't until 1992, where she had her first big uh, competition on a show called Star Search, and um, that's when she, um, you know, went back to audition again for the Mickey Mouse Club. So that was her her first big uh, break, and uh, she was working with Justin Timberlake and Christina Aguilera and Ryan Gosling. Clearly, she was talented, um, mm-hmm. and she is talented. She started this whole journey when she was really young. I kind of wanted to touch on that and see what you thought about this because mm-hmm. I think sometimes, like you earlier, you mentioned Michael Jackson, and sometimes we yeah. hear things about child stars. Um, and maybe like the pressure that comes along with being in that industry. I don't know. I mean, as a therapist, do you feel like maybe that could have had some sort of impact on her or? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. You know, not just as a therapist, but as someone who uh, got their undergraduate degree in child development and who's worked as a, you know, preschool teacher and child development expert, I definitely um, see the two as being correlated. 
Um, you know, the entertainment industry is run by adults. There's a lot of pressure. Um, and when you're that young and you're already being, like kind of like being groomed and like created to be like a product, because that's pretty much what our celebrities are. They're designed to be brands and products uh, that sell. And, you know, to be that young and to kind of be uh, pressured into this like specific like way of being like it definitely has an impact you know not only that but the fact that for example like michael jackson had a lot of child abuse uh, physical abuse in his history um you know Brittany, there's there's not any record of that and i doubt there was any but there was still uh, pressure from the industry right and it kind of takes kids away from you know the typical environment that they grow up in right we hear Sometimes that people who are celebrities and they're young, they're homeschooled or they have to mm-hmm. kind of put school on hold and do some sort of long distance learning. Um, yeah. So I wonder about how, you know, when it says here that a show was canceled, I think it was the Mickey Mouse Club was canceled in 1994. Yeah, yeah. She went yeah. back to her school and she felt really bored, like unfulfilled. Yeah, and also that level of protection that, you know, parents start to develop for their kids because they're in the public eye. There's a lot of new threats, a lot of new worries and concerns that come with, you know, being famous and starting to get your name out there. Um, You know, so I can imagine that was a lot of pressure for her, uh, you know, just being very guarded and having a a whole new different um, perspective on life um, that is way advanced for a child, you know, who's only... uh, purpose at that time is to you know play meet friends socialize learn skills um and focus on school so it's definitely a whole different blogging for her and the interesting thing is that even when she was in school she was still a star i mean she was the uh she was in basketball she was in a lot of different activities at school um you know she was always really shining as a as a child um even when she wasn't doing uh the celebrity thing um so i mean i can imagine for someone like that to have seeing like the world at such a small age and then still going back to her small town where she was uh you know going trying to assimilate back to um like normal life was probably really really uh difficult yeah you know what it also makes me think about is the pressure they have to perform like you mentioned and so i wonder how she handled criticism i hear that it's kind of brutal i'm i've never really been around it but i can imagine that if you're trying to perfect like an entertainment type craft yeah that you know people can be kind of brutal brutally honest and not sure how that might have affected her or any child really yeah Yeah, and you know i don't think she actually maybe felt that until like later on in life because it wasn't recorded from at least nothing from her until later in her like mid-20s to early 30s where she actually started to speak out a lot more about the pressure and feeling overwhelmed and how much expectation came from her being a celebrity and not just like any celebrity you know being like Britney Spears who became like a cultural phenomenon in the 90s and then early 2000s so um, I think that early on it was probably like fun you know I mean who wouldn't think it's fun you have all this money people start to know who you are you're enjoying like your time in the spotlight you know you're you have you're doing something you love um, you're getting all these opportunities, you're being on different late night shows and, you know, different like, um, like movies that she starred in. Um, you know, so I think, um, that it was definitely probably a time of more like exploration and fun for her up until, the you know, early twenties, late mid twenties, where it, that's, you know, and we're, I know we're going to get there, but it, that's where we start to see a lot more of the decline. I think 
throughout that and her first big album in uh, 1998 when she did uh, Hit Me Baby One More Time, it was all like new and fun. You know, she was traveling and doing all these things that, um, you know, she wouldn't have done otherwise. So you mentioned Baby One More Time. That's in the late 90s. I was, I think, in middle school when that came out. Oh, (laughs) man. I was like, (laughs) I was a huge, like, Backstreet Boys fan, and I love Uh pop music, and I still do. So I was totally a pop princess. (laughs) I'll just admit Mm -hmm. that now. So I, like, bought that album. (laughs) Yeah. If you knew what was up at that time, just kidding. Um, yeah. I remember buying the album and everything, and it was such a good yeah. song. And so yeah. I also remember uh, her being, like, her videos being on, like, TRL and MTV. Mm-hmm. And Oh, she was everywhere. They put her out there, and she was, like, an instant phenomenon, you know? And it was, like, it was so fast. And the interesting thing is that I actually wasn't even really a fan of hers at that time when the album first came out. I was more of a J-Lo fan. And, you know, that was my first album. And I, I was, like, into a totally different, like, pop style. Um, and I actually didn't even, like, start listening to her until uh, around 2004 when she released her In The Zone album. Uh, and that was because I started to really see a change in her style. Um, but I became like I would say like a really big fan and um, um, you know actually really inspired by her, uh, which in part was one of the reasons why I started to look into mental health professions. And I can share more about that later. Um, you know, in 2007 when we started to see her have all those those problems and all of that. So the baby one more time for me was like something that I probably didn't even really listen to until like 2004. But I know, you know, after that, becoming such a big fan and, you know, just wanting to know who this person was, just that that was like a pivotal point in her career. You know, it was this big blow up introduction of this, you know, American woman from or or girl from Louisiana, you know, traditional, all these things. And like they put her out there and she was like very wholesome but also naughty like you know it was like a lot of sex appeal which is really interesting now when i look back when i see that maybe one more time it was like in a high school she it had was like a, a, like a, <laughs> a, a cut off shirt she was like dancing around gyrating um and she also did gymnastics when she was young so that's why it was another uh, really big strength and talent that she had that she was she was a dancer she was flexible she was able to do all these different moves she was doing backflips um, she was, uh, she was, I mean, uh, she was going to be a star, you know, that was pretty much like a, a known from her childhood. And so uh, the baby one more time, you know, was like the first real taste people got. And uh, it was at the same time, I think a year later when she started opening for Instinct, who was already huge, um, that she, um, you know, started to become uh, accepted. You know, and you mentioned kind of this transition, right, from like, a Catholic schoolgirl to like um, being in a sequin, like see through kind of thing. Like, I don't know if you remember that. Do you remember watching that? Yes, I do remember watching it. Oh. The pigtails, the Catholic outfit, the locker room. I mean, it was all like visual candy and at the same time really taboo. <laughs> it was like yeah. weird. Like, yeah, she, she was definitely a, 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 like the Madonna of her time. You know, she was pushing like boundaries in very little ways madonna was always very straightforward and i'm also a big madonna fan uh but britney was definitely pushing those things in a very different more sensual way which is a little 
disturbing now when you think about it because she was 16 and a lot of her fans were male at that time um but that also goes back to the industry and i mean a lot of problems that are there which uh you know yeah historically like there's a lot of issues with with the industry so i mean this it makes sense you know that they were creating her to be like this this image yeah and then she goes from that to like doing the mtv vmas the video music (laughs) awards in like the flesh colored bodysuit and then yep. it was like what happened like there was this huge transition yeah. um it was huge yeah yeah so you know what i wonder is i think for any human being i don't i don't know i can't like overgeneralize but maybe i can imagine you know just that level of fame happening to an mm-hmm. average person like i just yeah. wonder how people cope with that um But I think, like you said, we'll talk a little later about um, kind of some other times Mm -hmm. in the later 2006, 2007. Yeah, Yeah, like where she starts to kind of show signs of like maybe getting overwhelmed or like stressed from it. I mean, she's had a really long career, so we're probably not going to hit like every single milestone. But I mean, there's definitely a lot that builds up to, to that point and to where she is now. So... Um, I just wanted to put that out there that we probably won't cover everything. I think it's like literally Brittany could be a, a college class for a semester. Uh, oh, that'd be interesting. That would be really interesting. But, you know, I think that the the major points are, are you know, yeah, the 99, the release of the album, the image that she was playing out there. And like you said, that transition, you know, there was a, a really big controversy with her uh, spread for Rolling Stone magazine in 99 where she was uh, on the phone and she had a Teletubby and she was like in these little booby shorts and like a little shirt. And uh, people were like shocked. I mean, not just because she was so young, but because she was being placed on this, you know, historically like rock, crazy, like very like modern magazine. And they had this like 16 year old girl, like doing what girls her age do, you know, on, on the phone with a, with a stuffed animal. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, that, that's all adding to it. You know? I mean, there was just a lot of parts where I'm not sure how the parents saw what was happening or what her manager was thinking or what she was thinking. But there are moments like that where, um, you know, it, you're, you're, you're being sexualized. I mean, you're being sold as as sexy and you're 16 and you don't you're not you're probably not even allowed to have a boyfriend at that time because you're so protected and guarded. Yeah. And you know what it makes me think of is like. When we were younger, right? Like, we were teenagers when we were consuming this content. Like, Uh I don't remember it being as, like, taboo or, like, sexually charged. Like, now I'm in my 30s and I look back and I'm like, what the hell? (laughs) Where were my parents? Just kidding. Um, (laughs) Maybe maybe that was her thought. Maybe it was, like, us. You know, we're at that age. We think we're, we're every. you know, we're, like untouchable we're like all this and all that and you know maybe that that was her mindset like oh i want to this is fun this is cute i i don't mind this picture you know but i think the difference is that unlike ours that we you know we're probably more private or we you know kept in a little shoebox under our bed hers was like all over the country on a magazine (laughs) right right yeah i want us to go ahead and jump to some i guess points of what I wrote down as, like, a therapist, because, like, th- that's the way my brain works, is I wrote down the word deterioration. <laughs> but maybe okay, there's a better okay. word for it. Um, or a yeah, crisis. Yeah. I don't know what you would yeah. call these things. 
you know, the way I always like really try to grasp and understand it was really more of like, uh, you know, emotional decline. And I say that because it felt like she was, she was getting um, overwhelmed. She was getting very uh, emotionally just like the energy was draining. And I think from little things that started happening throughout her life that led up to 2007, um, I think all those things were just filling in, you know, and I have a really, really amazing metaphor that I like to use with my clients a lot when we're talking about, uh, you know, coping and like how we handle our emotions. And uh, I call it the soda can because it's uh, basically what I tell them is like, and I've done this before in, in person too with like my, my teens where I'll get like a soda can and I tell them, okay, I want you to like shake the can. And they're like shaking it. And I'm like, does it look different? They're like, no. I'm like, okay, shake it again. So they shake it again and they shake it like three times. And I'm like, okay, now open it. And, you know, they're like, no, I'm not going to open it. I'm like, do it. (laughs) They're like, no. And so when they do, it explodes everywhere, right? And so I think we all have that, you know, there's a threshold, like how much we can hold. And I think for her, it was constant shaking and shaking. And, you know, we didn't see the in-between, but I mean, it was such a, fast and very powerful like moment in 2007 where everything just kind of burst out that it seemed like it was a years in the making kind of thing not a oh I woke up this this week and it was a bad week you know yeah I think that's a really great metaphor I mean on the outside especially if you're in this industry right like there's all eyes on you you have exactly you have to be picture picture perfect you have to kind of portray that you have you have it together quote unquote have it together right and um mm -hmm. people can you know you don't know what they're going through really you don't know and it's changing a little bit celebrities are a little bit more open to talking about mental health um it still feels a little superficial because even that has to be very like crafted in a way that reaches people and i think that's always the intention so i tend to be a little distrusting of celebrities talking about uh, mental health always uh and depending on the way they do it because there's some that you know it's almost very uh calculated and yeah it's something that's impacting them but you know they're also it's also another another way of reaching people and having people become fans and so i think it's it's just important to be aware that yes everyone including celebrities are impacted by mental health it doesn't matter if you're beyonce and you're like you know picture perfect it doesn't matter if you're you know someone seasoned like madonna you're still going to deal with it and especially men uh because there's a lot of substance abuse and uh sex addiction in uh some male celebrities Uh, i mean we see it all the time so um you know there's there's i think that's something we can't deny regardless of what they share they don't share i think that's something that's become very evident and i want to say that in a large part it's thanks to britney that uh, we saw it, we knew it happened, and unlike a lot of other celebrities, Britney actually, we saw it. Like, it wasn't like she was talking about it. She she actually hasn't even really talked about it now, and it's been, like, years, like, almost, uh, let me see, nine, uh, maybe, like, 12 years since everything happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and she still hasn't said anything about it, like, directly. So that was the big difference, that we actually saw Britney, like, through video, through the news, through things that were happening in her life and we saw someone who was not just like famous but like an icon really in music um start to you know go from this picture perfect um you know superstar to someone that maybe we've seen before we know you know like someone like a family member who's been struggling with with you know whatever mental illness and is isolating or is acting erratic or is doing things that are putting them in danger um, you know, so I think that was the big difference that, yeah, um, 
now we're having a little bit more talk around it, but uh, that was the first, that was one of the first big documented, um, you know, everyone saw, I mean, I used to sit with my parents watching uh, Canal 34, which is Univision in LA, Mm-hmm. And my parents were like, oh, pobrecita, mira lo que le está pasando, es tan bonita, porque está, you know, why is this happening to her? Uh, she has everything. And I remember sitting there, like, getting so curious. I'm, like, actually feeling worried for this person, you know, that I didn't know, um, that I became a fan of, but that I actually felt connected because there was some something about that image being played over and over of this, like, sadness that really, I think, caught a lot of people. And, you know, we had the duality. We had the whole, like, group of people who don't understand mental health who are obviously very opinionated and made a lot of very rude nasty like comments and then we had the people who were like oh my god like i know someone like that or i know people struggling or i know what that what that feels like and so i think that that that's another area that 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 really made this such a big deal i mean she's a meme <laughs> uh there's I don't right. know if you've seen it out there but it's, it's the whole if Brittany can survive 2007 then i can survive today i mean She's a medium, like, that's how famous and um, how influential she's been in pop culture. And, um, you know, even the people that don't like her, like, they know who she is. They know they have something to say about her. And that's, I mean, that's fame. Because, you know, someone that's not famous, you don't even have an opinion. But people have opinions about her. Um, You know, and even, like, today I'm actually going to a a dance party here in San Francisco. And they're playing uh, music from the 90s and early 2000s. And... Guess what? Who they have on their cover for the announcements for the for the uh, music for the whole event? Oh, Britney, of course, right? Britney, and not just Britney, Shapehead Britney from two. Oh my God! Yeah. Yes. yes, and that's like they're come join us for this huge dance party where we're playing Britney, and it's like Britney with a shaved head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is, you know, I think that is like the most. Uh, I don't even know. I would say one of the most iconic pictures. You're you're speaking, and the whole time that you're talking about like her emotional decline, the only thing I can think of is her with her shaved head. And yeah. you know, it's interesting because I think you bring up a really good point about how the conversations in the media and around mental health with celebrities has really changed over the last 10 years because I can't really remember anybody before Britney that got caught on tape or over picture, like kind of deteriorating like that in front of everybody. And so I think, yeah, we can definitely credit her and whatever, like the paparazzi or whoever was documenting this at the time for kind of releasing that imagery and letting us know that even a pop star who looks like she has it all together could, you know, be affected by something really serious. And maybe at the time people didn't understand, like, why is this person shaving her head? She's like being totally erratic. Yeah, yeah. But now I think if we look back, it makes sense, right? Like as far as painting a mental health. Yeah, and and you know what you just said right now? That's so interesting because a lot of people had that question, you know, why is she shaving her hair? And there was actually documented recordings of her saying that she just didn't want people touching her hair. She wanted people to, she wanted it off because it's such a symbolic thing when someone is constantly being fixed and they're, and for a woman, you know, I'm not a woman, but I can imagine having your hair fixed constantly and perfected and always changed and cut and dyed and fixed and altered. 
that she was just like, I'm tired of people touching me. Like, get this shit off of my head. And I'm sorry, I don't know where not to curse, but yeah, you are. She <laughs> was like, get it off. And yeah, you know, it was such an iconic moment because there's. I, you know, as a mental health professional, I have seen so many people respond differently to their mental health when they're struggling. People get haircuts and dye their hair in like the most colorful and adventurous ways possible because it helps in some way to almost feel in control. You know, your hair, your look. I mean, it's a big thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Do you think there are any other points after 2007 where she showed... I mean, I I don't know if maybe there wasn't a point ever after that where she bounced back. Well, you know, 2007, I think that's the the one year, the long year, um, where most everything happened. Uh, But we really have to talk about the three years before that, you know, because that was 2004, the release of her In The Zone album um, in 2003. Uh, That was a huge album, too. Um, you know, the year that same year, she got a, a, a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. She had performed with Madonna um, on stage, and they had, you know, did the kiss. The year before that, she broke up with Justin Timberlake um, in 2000, what was it, two? Um, so, I mean, a lot of little things that were happening, you know, going on. Um, basically, what happens is she ends up marrying her uh, best friend in Las Vegas, and it's like a shotgun wedding, and it's like a 24, oh, 2004. Oh, so it was the same year, 2004. Um, she ends up uh, marrying him and their marriage is annulled like 55 hours later so that's when we started to kind of see her go a little bit of like you know trying to like gain some type of control in her life and do what she wants uh, which I think was very opposite of how her whole life had been where there was a lot of control from childhood all the way up to her 20s um, and then in 2004 that was a big year she married Kevin Featherline and she fired her long term manager who was Larry Rudolph at the time um, and he's actually been with her forever he's still with her now uh, but he was with her when she was a, a, a child star. Um, so she fires him after years. From then, that's when we start to see a lot more of, of decline. Um, she was actually banned from the Oscars in 2005. And she got pregnant that same year with her first child. Did a reality TV show that same year. I don't know if you remember that. It was called Chaotic. And it was on UPN. And it was about her and Kevin Featherline's life. Um, and there was a lot of moments where you could tell that she was smoking weed. She was... Uh, you know, doing more, like, stuff with Kevin. And there's a lot of questioning around her parenting. They find, you know, I mean, she was always being surrounded by paparazzi. So they're going to find things that were obviously, you know, her not being the best mom. And, um, you know, there's a whole other story there. And I think a whole other perspective there. But I'm not going to get into that. But basically, she got investigated by uh, the L.A. Department of Child and Family Services in 2006. Um, so people were already questioning her parenting. Um, she gave birth to her second son in 2006 and then filed for divorce that same year from Kevin Featherline. And that was November 2006. And I would say that that was definitely the, uh, what do we call it in, in therapy? Uh, the event that leads to like the decline, you know, the, the main event that brings people to therapy. The uh-huh. precipitating event? That was probably the precipitating event that happened because that's when we saw her check into rehab like two months later and then shave her head that two days after that so (laughs) well anyway that was i think the moment that that started the um the a lot of more of the behaviors because after she divorced in 2006 uh that was november by february 2007 she had checked into rehab for one day they didn't say why they didn't she didn't mention anything about it but she left the day after and that's two days later 
This is two days later. This is the iconic moment, February 16, 2007. She's at a hair salon. She's asking the guy to shave off her head. He says no because she knows who she is. <laughs> He's like, I'm not going to do that. Oh, my and God. She grabs, she grabs the clippers and she shaves her own head. Wow. I didn't know that the person refused. Yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of accounts and details. And I definitely, that's one of the big things I've heard that she went in there and he asked her what she wanted. And she's like, shave my head. And he's like, you know, uh, you're Britney Spears. Like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> so oh my she grabs it herself and she just starts shaving. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense the way that you talked about it earlier, how, you know, when you have, um, some control, right? Like it's a sense of control when you have some say so about your appearance, um, yeah. especially in this industry where you're every almost all of your value is based on your appearance and how well you can sell and perform. So, I mean, I don't blame her. It makes sense. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. And people, yeah. And people wow. made all kinds of stories. Oh my God, Crystal. There were theories and fan fiction things. People were saying she had lice. People were saying that. Oh my God. The hair dye had affected her, her head, her, her hair so much that it was damaged. You know, they had said all these things, but from that account, from that person and the fact that she did, they, they did hear her make statements about how she just didn't want people touching her. You know, that it was definitely, I personally believe related to mental health a lot more. You know, she was definitely feeling a lot of this pressure um, you know, her hair was like a defining feature of her. She was blonde. She was, you know, I mean, she was just the image. And so cutting your hair off, it's like, you know, I mean, you don't have hair. If people, it's, it's, like, it's totally like, yeah. a very bold move. And, you know, that was the first moment. That was the first point where people were, what is going on? What is happening to her? She had cut off her family. She had cut off her longtime manager. She had gotten divorced. Uh, Kevin wasn't living with her. The kids were, like, visitation, um, having, like, half and half. I think they were shared visitations. At the time. So she was out on her own for the first time and just had a bunch of paparazzi following her. Yeah. You know, I also have this image, and I didn't... I don't really remember if this is accurate, but this image of her with her shaved head, but also maybe taking a bat to a car. Is that... Accurate? Yes, it was an umbrella, actually. It oh, it was an umbrella. umbrella. Oh, my God. Was, I thought it was a bat. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was an umbrella, and it was actually a paparazzi's umbrella. Uh, number not paparazzi. It was a paparazzi's car that mm. she was upset because they were following her around and taking pictures, so she started smacking the car with the umbrella that she found. And oh, my God. She, it got all caught. It was caught all over. People saw the image, and, I mean, you know, when you're seeing someone smack a car with an umbrella, your first instinct's going to be like, there's something wrong. Right, so and then with the was... newly shaved head, it's mm-hmm. gonna come. It's gonna come across as odd. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, it, oh man. So the the paparazzi, I feel probably like totally. It was like a gaslighting situation, right? Like mm-hmm. where they had no regard, and it was just like, yeah. well, now she's reacting to us, so now we have an even bigger story, and it's yeah, it just kind of like reinforced it. Yeah. Yeah, no, they they definitely knew. I mean, they were a big reason. I mean, she even actually, at the peak of her, her decline, she actually started dating one of the paparazzi. And she was going around with him, and she had, like, exclusive pictures. I mean, it was really bad. 
um, she had no one to stop her. And, you know, this paparazzi, like, gained, gained her trust somehow. She started speaking in a British accent. I mean, there was just a lot. Like, the British accent is also very iconic. And it's interesting because she still uses it slightly in her, um, in some of her music even now. And there's, a, there's actually a logical reason for that, which I don't think a lot of people know. But her family is actually originally from the U.K., and her grandma was British. And so she would talk to Britney a lot, and in, in obviously in an English accent. And it was something that I think it was almost like a comforting thing for her to speak like her grandma or have that, because her grandma had passed away, um, you know, before then. That was also another turning point for her. Um, so, you know, people were like, oh, she's crazy. She's speaking in a British accent. And they didn't really understand, like, this was actually because her family's origins are from the UK, and her grandma was a very important person in her life. So it didn't just come out of nowhere. Um, no, it wasn't yeah. like she just said, I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to, you know, it was actually like a family, like accent. Right. Yeah. Not, not her parents, but like her great, her grandma and great grandma. <laughs> yeah. So I'm wondering if yes. maybe we can kind of talk about like her resiliency and how after that, yeah. even though life continued to happen to her, there were yeah. still hardships and things like that that people go through all the time. You know, like people die, mm-hmm. people move, yeah. kids grow up, yeah. um, people get divorced. Yeah. So these are all kind of like typical life events for the average person. I just wonder what you think about how strong she is to be able to kind of bounce back from all of that. You know, I think that she, obviously, when we talk about celebrities and like Britney, you know, we have to acknowledge that there's privilege there. You know, there's money there's uh, access to resources mm. and that's something that I'm very much aware of whenever I talk about Brittany you know it's not like a miracle story you know if people um, of color who struggle with mental health or you know we talk about like social political stuff we can bring all of that in um, you know don't have access to the same resources and we see them struggle you know she obviously was very privileged um, you know she started off as someone who was very low income and poor in Louisiana but at this point she was she was a millionaire you know so she had access to the best treatments, the best everything, you know, but she was alone. She had made it so that she had no one telling her what to do. And, uh, you know, her when she released her, her latest album after In The Zone, it was three years later. It was Blackout in 2007. That was actually the fan favorite. It's one of her least um, successful albums, but the album that almost any Britney fan, I would say, would bring out because it's like the, the Bible of, like, Britney. It's like this, like, one album that people were just obsessed with. Um, and she didn't promote it at all. She was acting so erratic. She was doing all these things, um, not paying attention to her career. Uh, she got visitation suspended with her kids in 2008 because she had an altercation with the police. Um, mm. And then that year after, uh, that same year actually after the altercation, uh, they committed her to a psychiatric ward um, at the UCLA Medical Center on an involuntary psychiatric hold because she refused to give her kids back to the people who were picking them up to take them back to Kevin, you know, and then the month after she was released, uh, she regained some visitations that, that same month, you know, it was slow and it was increasing over and over because they were seeing that she was getting her life back on track. And I think that was probably her big motivation and what probably really drove her healing was the fact that she wanted her kids in her life. And they were saying, you're not going to get them unless, you know, and I, and I totally understandable, you know, these, the kids were young um, Brittany was having all these things going on like they needed to make sure she was able to care for them even if she had like millions of dollars for nannies and all of this you know they wanted to make sure that she was okay mm-hmm. you know so I mean she started to, to, to go back to her career again and I think that 
it was definitely back and forth because you could tell that she was tired of it. It was like going from like a big career crashing and then being put back up on the pedestal. Like, here, you need to act like this. You need to do this. Um, you know, she started dating more like men like who wore suits and were supposed to be more well put together. And a lot of people had theories about how that was probably put on by her team because they wanted her to seem more relatable and also see her as like someone who could date men who were mature and not you know like she had control in her life or she was stable um you know so i mean those little things like that she started she appeared in glee in 2010 and they dedicated a whole episode to her um you know i mean album after album just every year like since then she's been you know releasing music um you know slowly i definitely you don't see her as much she's a very private person um, after that happened in 2007, she hasn't really given very many formal interviews. And she's also one of the big celebrities who, um, you know, because she's so famous, she gets to dictate, like, what they can ask her and don't ask her. And every, it's very, very known that her team tells every person interviewing her, don't ask her about 2007 and don't ask her about mental health. And huh. they don't. So she yeah. doesn't talk about it. So that probably explains why we haven't really heard her address, like, 12 years later why this happened um yeah. and i don't think we hmm. i don't think we'll ever hear it i don't think unless she writes a book i doubt we're gonna hear it um because like i said she became a very private person and even now she doesn't talk about it you know they released a documentary i think it was 2011 or something when she did the circus album and it was supposed to be like an intimate talk with britney and she allu- alluded to it in a very like indirect way like, mm-hmm. she said, I went through a rough time in 2007, and I was sitting there like, girl, that was not a rough time. That was, like, a really bad time. <laughs> you know, You're like, like to her, that, that was, was a little like, more than a rough <laughs> patch. So, I mean, yeah, so she... she yeah, she minimizes it, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if it was just, like, so traumatic, because... I mean, given the position that she's in, right? Because anything can be traumatic to a person. Trauma is very subjective. Mm -hmm. So if we think about Mm -hmm. Britney and her career at that time and how on top of the world she was and how great everything Mm -hmm. was going and then having Mm -hmm. this precipitating event of the divorce and then some other stuff that had happened in her family um, just really, you know, got to her. She reacted a certain way. But it's not like the average person that can react and get away with it and it's erased, like, kind of from yeah. history. It's, like, documented, and 12 years later, mm-hmm. it's a meme, and, yeah. like, people just don't, don't let it go. It. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah, with her, it's like, oh, I, I don't know what you're talking about, or don't ask her because we won't tell you. And so, you know, and there's been a lot of leaks. I mean, I don't want to share what the diagnosis is, I mean, unless you think it's, it's appropriate, but... Um, you know, supposedly her diagnosis was released out to the public because someone did. Um, so there's there's that, too, that, you know, that, that obviously there's something going on. And she does take medication. Uh, she has been to rehab. I think it was as early as this year, uh, not too long ago, she went to rehab. She checked herself in because she was struggling again. And it was very obvious, you know, there she, a lot of her pictures, she looked disheveled. There was some stuff going on. Her dad was in the hospital. Um, he had a... Uh, he had a life-threatening um, something happened to him and he was pretty much they didn't know if he was going to make it and so that really impacted her um, and so she checked herself into rehab this was this year and you know came back out and now the last few weeks she's been 
a little bit more vocal. She did say that she went in because she had to take care of her mind, that she's had struggles, you know, and that she wanted to take care of herself. Um, she still didn't, like, say what, you know, anything, any details. And I don't think she has to. I think it's very evident at this point, you know? Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, she's dating someone. They've been together for two years. He's actually uh, from her music video that she released from her latest album, Glory. Um, I think it was two years ago. And he, he was in the music video. And, uh, you know, they've been dating since he's younger. <laughs> uh, but he, they, she seems happy. I mean, she has her kids. She's, she, she's a mom always posting about her kids, always posting about, you know, mom life. Um, and I think a lot of people kind of moved away from that. A lot of the people that were big fans, you know, we grew up too, were all parents becoming parents or having families or careers. And, um, you know, she grew up too. And then it's not, you know, she's not Miley Cyrus. She's not um, Taylor Swift. She's not Ariana Grande. You know, she's a mom now. She has mental health issues and she's, you know, I think she... She wants to live her life, and that's why she's not out anymore. You know, you don't hear albums from her as much. You don't hear concerts from her as much, except for the Vegas residency, which she did because she wanted to be with her kids, but she still wanted to perform. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, things change. Definitely, I think that's resilience. And, you know, for someone to say, I could be making all this money, I could still be like Beyonce, you know, who uh, is still doing all these things. And she's a mom, too, but, you know, I I, I don't speak, I don't want to speak to her because I don't know her struggles, but. You know, for someone who was at that same level and went through this and then decided, you know what, I don't care what people think and I don't care about my career as much as I care about myself and my family, uh, I'm going to step back and I'm going to be a mom and I'm going to limit my performances and I'm going to limit my interviews and I'm going to limit my traveling because it helps me to be um, in a place where I can be myself and not have to be a complete celebrity. And she had the privilege to do that after years and years of being famous and doing so many things that a lot of the younger posters right now, you know, are still trying to do. Yeah, I agree with you about, um, you know, having privilege and being in mental health recovery, right? Because if she has a mental illness and we didn't diagnose her, but um, her diagnosis, I think, was bipolar disorder, right? Yes, yes, bipolar, yeah. So, I mean... Typically, what we know about bipolar disorder um, and, you know, the recovery that that takes, it's very difficult. And I think that it has to be a very um, concerted effort from, well, your treatment team, first of all, and then the person who's being treated and having that kind of discipline to set these boundaries about, you know, this is the stuff that triggers me. This is the stuff that is not good for my mental health and that will make me deteriorate. So I've got to stay away from it. Um, and so I can imagine it's so much harder when you're in the spotlight to have to Mm -hmm. set all those boundaries, but you're right. I mean, she has, she has privilege and you know, that's, that's a good thing. And it makes me think of like the average person in recovery, you know, and it's like, that's also really difficult because we've got to, you know, go to work every day and we have kids and it's just different. We don't. And I, I didn't get to mention the other big thing that I think everyone knows at this point is that she is under a con- conservatorship. I, I, I'm not even sure if I'm saying that right. Oh, but, like a conservatorship. Know, dad, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Her dad came in and saw all of this and said, nope. And, you know, went into the court and pretty much decided that he was that she wasn't able to take care of herself so that was another big turning point this has been a long time too i don't i don't even know the year at this point but she's been under it for probably over eight 
maybe even nine years, I want to say, or maybe mm-hmm. a little, I don't even know. It's been a long time. And yeah. basically dad took over everything, and which is part of the reason why, you know, she was not just like forced, I guess, but she also had that like support where dad came in and took over everything and just, you know, pretty much that you're, you know, you need to take care of you. And uh, she had her family. And so that was also another big, another big piece. You know, we see a lot of people struggling and they don't have family support or there's a lot of stigma around mental illness. And this was the first time we saw this on TV and it was publicized. And the things people said were just absolutely horrible. I saw everything from people mocking her on TV to people putting out like, um, um, what do you call them? Um, bets about when she was going to commit suicide. I mean, it was just really bad. Oh, wow. You know, and this was 2007, so it speaks a lot to what mental health, because you don't see that anymore. You, you would not see that at all now. This year, if you brought up anything like that or mocked mental health, people would be on you. People would be writing letters, would be, you know, picking it outside your, your studio. Um, it's definitely changed, but back then it wasn't like that. People were laughing and making fun of people, like, you know, just very casually, and she was always the butt of the joke. Like, she's crazy, she's unstable, she's a bad mother, uh, you know, she has a mental illness or she's, you know, these these very derogatory ways of referring to her um, because she was famous, but also because we were not very acclimated when it came to media, uh, when we're, you know, to mental illness or mental health. And so it, it, it now it, it's a big change. But back then it was, it was happening. With all that being said, I think we should definitely talk about how Britney's story and her life in the spotlight and her mental health challenges in the spotlight helped create awareness um, and had other types of social influences? You know, I think that it's very evident, you know, like I said, we're talking about her being a meme now. We're talking about people uh, talking, you know, just mentioning her name and having discussions around, like, her mental health. Um, You know, I think that people understand now that celebrities have these issues because they saw it and they know that people are experiencing them. So I think in that way she's normalized it. You know, we've seen a lot of past celebrity suicides. I mean, there's, it's just, it's very real and it, it was a really hard pill for people to swallow to understand that even money and fame and beauty and all these things don't stop mental illness. You know, they don't stop, they don't help mental health. They're luxuries and yes, they're privileged, but they don't, they don't keep it from happening. You know, like it's not, it's not some magical, like you have money, you don't have mental health issues. You know, it's right. you do. And so I think it normalized that idea for people to see that um, it's okay sometimes to be vulnerable. It's okay sometimes if you feel that it's, it's what you, you know, for you, if it's right, it's okay to do those things and have those conversations. And I think that that was part of it was seeing uh, a huge celebrity, you know, with a decline. And for people who are younger uh, now generations, you know, like it's very different because not a lot of them know about Britney or, or really grew up with her. Um, but we're talking about people who are now like in the age where things are being, um, you know, shifted and, you know, our, people in our age who grew up with Britney are the ones who are now working and creating and, um, you know, doing all these things. And so we've, we've seen a change in the way mental health is, is, uh, perceived. We've seen a lot of technology being introduced to support people, uh, struggling with mental health. It's being normalized. It's more out there. It's not where it needs to be. And I will say that because I, you know, as the, um, 
uh, for me, like as the founder of Psychosocial and focusing on media and all of that, like I definitely see that there's so many issues that are happening still with media and the way we portray things and it, the influence that it has, the impact it has, the consumption. I mean, there's just so much going into that. But I think the fact that we saw this, um, you know, we know about this and people are starting to say, hey, you can't say that about people um, who are struggling with mental health or mental illness because it's not, you know, it's, it's not right. And we're seeing, like, more people, like, shift that. You know, I've seen so many movies and shows now that incorporate mental health. And I'm just like, whoa, like, this is a whole different switch between, like, making fun of it and alluding to it and actually blatantly, like, saying it and, like, seeing people struggle. Um, You know, we actually just had someone for Psychosocial who came on to review shows and media. And, um, you know, there's a show called Euphoria right now that talks a lot about, like, drug use and, um, you know, a lot of teen uh, issues. And, and, you know, there's uh, a lot of different things. And so when we're talking about media, I think, you know, we have to realize that because of her, her status and her name, she was very visible everywhere. And she still is, you know. And so I think that that's been her her contribution in a very indirect way. I don't think that she planned at all or wants to be the spokesperson for mental health. You know, it's very obvious by her her kind of shutdown in in terms of her presence and um, being more private. Uh, But there's a lot of young artists out there, you know, like Selena Gomez, who's a huge uh, mental health advocate, and she always talks about being a huge Britney fan and how much she really got inspired by her. Um, you know, I think any younger celebrity would say that. And, um, you know, they were watching and they're the, the main pop stars now. They're the ones that are getting a whole new generation of people listening to their music and, um, you know, doing all these uh, different, like, things now, like being creative in a certain way. But they're also calling out, like, mental health and they're, you know, like, bringing it to the forefront. They're also talking about social issues like the LGBTQ rights and women's rights, you know. So I think that... Um, we always have to think about the people that, that came before and especially with celebrities because that's their culture, you know, like their whole thing, um, you know, what influence they had. And I think that's Britney's influence is bringing to a- awareness that they're not, you know, they're not immune to this they're, and that they also struggle and that it's OK to say that to people. And you don't have to look perfect on screen or on your music videos or, or you know, in interviews. Absolutely. Yeah, I think all of that was really well said. And I think that as a therapist now and I'm talking to another therapist about Britney Spears it makes me think about um just the impact uh that she had it makes me think of how much the world has changed in such a short amount of time um and how like you said like the newer artists are a little bit more um open about it and uh have a little less shame maybe Mm -hmm. regarding like their status in mental health and like if they're in treatment or not. Um, and how maybe Brittany's example was like just this really big story, right? Like, Mm -hmm. Oh man, we have content for like the news and, Mm -hmm. um, they really sensationalized it and really publicized it, which probably could have been traumatic for her. Right. But I think like you said, us in this generation, where we kind of grew up with her and her music and then have seen her grow. It's just, it's just so interesting to see and think about how even further and future generations are going to handle the conversations on mental health. And I hope that it keeps evolving. The moral of, of the story is that, you know, no one is immune. We all deal with mental health issues regardless of 
gender, race, um, socioeconomic status, uh, sexual orientation, you know, uh, background, ethnicity, all of that. Like, it doesn't matter. We all deal with it. And, you know, this is just one prime example of how inadvertently someone, you know, because of their status and their privilege and also their, their talent were, were um, forced in a way to become this, this, this um, t- catalyst uh, for mental health. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of other people I'm not going to say single-handedly, but we have to admit that there was, it was a cultural phenomenon that happened and it was something huge that everyone uh, knows about and we all heard about. So um, I think that's, you know, for me, that's the only thing. And, and I have to say, um, I know I mentioned a little bit earlier on and I, I didn't actually get back to it, but um, she was actually one of the reasons why I got inspired to go into mental health because when yeah. I was watching, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I was watching this happen and uh, there was one video in particular, and I don't know if maybe anyone who's listening maybe watched it or not, but she was on the side of on the curb side of her mansion, and the paparazzi was there, and she was crying. And they were asking her why she was crying, and she kept saying, "Just you know, go away, just leave me alone." And she was sitting there, you know, like makeup smeared. Her she had a wig on, um, you know, she was just not well, and paparazzi just kept flashing and flashing and flashing while she cried and there were all these pictures of her crying and i remember thinking oh my god like that is horrible Mm. like that is just like you know seeing this person so vulnerable who's struggling and i didn't understand mental health at that point either you know i I was young i didn't really like understand it yeah you connected with that though yeah 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 and it was my first taste to wanting to know more about mental health and then learning about myself too i mean there was so much like uh inner you know my like a personal like exploration of my own struggles and someone who identifies as gay and uh you know my own trauma and having to come out and being myself i mean there was there's a lot of little nuances and like little i mean similarities i guess like very very distant similarities but you know of her story and and how i resonated with that and um um, I remember actually when I was in grad school and they asked us to do a presentation and I talked about her and there were a few people that laughed and I actually got really defensive and said, you know, this is the reason why I do feel that way because we're still laughing and we're supposed to be mental health professionals and we think that it's okay to laugh at people sometimes and, you know, I get it. Like there's some humor sometimes in, in you know, we, we have to laugh a little bit because this is a very, very hard profession um, you know, we have high rates of vicarious trauma. I mean, I, I don't want to, you know, judge anyone for that. But it is it's it is very ironic that we still think some of those things were funny, mm-hmm. um, you know? Yeah. Like, to piggyback off of what you said earlier, how mental illness or struggles don't discriminate, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they can happen to anybody, just like any other physical illness. Because yeah. there's mental illness, so it doesn't mean that just because you're rich, you're not going to get something. It shows us that we don't know what other people are going through, mm-hmm. and um, they can look okay. like they have it together, but, you know, some empathy, some sympathy, some compassion can go a long way. Yeah. Because um, you yeah. never know. And you don't, and it shatters that whole idea that money makes you happy, you know? I think that's something that American culture has also been very, very... Um, focused on and just set on is this idea that money and wealth and and all this stuff makes you happy and you don't have problems and it's not true you know this this really shattered that idea too that 
celebrities are are automatically you know better because they have the money and the means and we see now that it's not true you know that that industry itself has is like riddled with so many different problems and issues um you know i mean child you know sexual abuse and just so much stuff in in that industry and 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 um, i think people started to finally pay attention and see wow like maybe, maybe being a star and being famous is not really not that great and you know we see people always come out with we're going to rehab or drug use because they need to be you know look a certain way they need to be attractive they need to be fit they need to be B, 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 all these, like, different things, and, and, you know, it's hard, I don't, you know, it's that striving for perfection, and we know that that's also, uh, you know, a mental, um, you know, related to mental illness, too, when we're, we're struggling towards perfection, and, and putting all this pressure on ourselves, and, and there's going to be a decline in some way, so um, I think that's also another lesson to learn, you know, that money and all this stuff is not, it's not happiness, you know, that it helps, but it's not going to make you happy. It's not part of the, the main thing. Right. Absolutely. So I just want to take some time to thank you for coming back onto the podcast. Of course. And of course. this was so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I mean, as serious as the content is, right, I just feel like it's kind of nice to be able to talk about somebody who's maybe not a client and consult yeah. with another person. And, you know, bring kind of a little bit more awareness to the general public um, about mental health issues based off of the life of somebody that we all kind of know. Um, mm-hmm. So somebody who's mm-hmm. like an icon. And so yeah. thank you so much for being the in-house Britney expert. Of course. Of course. I definitely, I actually do have some um, articles. I mean, I'm still like inspired by a lot of stuff that happens. So I even post things on like psychosocial here and there, you know. Uh, so thank you for calling me the Britney expert. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I, I'd be battled for that title. There's a lot of big, huge fans out there <laughs> that I know. So, <laughs> but thank you. I, I um, it's definitely um, someone that I would say uh, really, really moved um, my, for me my direction towards mental health and understanding. So, yeah, thank you for the invite and for having me on. And I had a really great time chatting with you. And can you tell us how to get to Psychosocial and read your content about Britney and oh, other yeah. things? It's such a cool website. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Yeah, no, so Psychosocial, uh, the website, it's literally just psychosocial.media. Uh, we changed to a new platform from before. I think when I was on your the last episode almost a year ago, it, um, we were like a whole different website. It was very different, but I, I've switched it up. So it's just, um, you know, psychosocial.media. Perfect. Thank you so much, Luis. I had a lot of fun. Anytime you want to come back and Uh, just let me know. We'll talk about something else. (laughs) Thank you so much. Remember to get in touch with us by writing to hello at through the eyes of a therapist.org. Thanks for listening to through the eyes of a therapist podcast until next time.